Good morning. Our Holy Gospel today is from the Gospel of Luke, beginning at chapter 4, verse 14. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Again, I invite you to uh, pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer as we begin our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your, send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God who by the light of the Holy Spirit who instructs the hearts of the faithful granted by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. It might be uh, fascinating and interesting for you to go back and just take a little time and read that the book of Nehemiah to get a greater sense of what that whole Old Testament text is like and what the what the backstory is to that because it's a it's a pretty fascinating story really. Uh, we always you know in, in, when we have these lectionary series we always just kind of pick up little snippets of the passages from all of these various places and um, the whole Nehemiah story is quite fascinating and uh, the people of Israel had been in exile and they had been returned and of course the the walls and the gates of Jerusalem had been destroyed and this was that time of rebuilding of the wall and rebuilding of the gate and uh, this that 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 whole context in which you heard read today that was the gathering of all the people who had come back from exile and were now standing before the the wall and the gate of Jerusalem and hearing, getting back to that, that word that had been a part of their life story for so long and you know when you just really think about how that how must have been an emotional high moment for them to come back and be in that place that had been sacred and holy to them all of these years after coming back from exile and then to hear to see the wall restored in the gates and then to hear the word read for hours and hours this vigil of hearing the word read uh, there's something about that that uh, is is powerful it's uh, it, i think it has a lot to do with what we're what I'm going to be talking about today, about this living word, that the, this word of God is, is a, a continual living word that gives people life, it gives people uh, hope. And so I, I, I just kind of give that to you as a little precursor uh, for the re- remainder of this uh, sermon today. Three years ago when I started this sermon, um, started talking about this text, I, I informed you that this is part one of a two-part drama 
Um, the first part is today's part where Jesus is in the synagogue and he's well received by the people and it says that the people spoke well of him, that he, they were attentive to him. And yet next week, you're going to hear just the opposite because next week, Jesus, after having done all of this, people will start rumbling and mumbling and they'll say, well, who is this Jesus dude? How dare he say these things? Well, you know, and Jesus says a few more things and he starts to offend them and then they take and drive him out of the city and get him up on a high hill and they're about ready to throw him over the cliff. So that's next week. But I think in a certain sense, when we look at this passage, it's it's actually, uh, when you think about it from the perspective of the passion and what Jesus goes through in his last life, this, this is actually a foretelling of Jesus' future. Because when you think back now to the Palm Passion Sunday story, what do we have? We have Jesus entering into Jerusalem triumphantly, and yet just a few days later, some of those same exact people who were saying, Hosanna! You know, blah, 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 here he comes, king, you know, he's coming into the world, he's going to be our savior. Four or five days later, they're screaming, crucify him, crucify him. So I think just when you hear hear today's drama story and next week's drama story, and then connect it with that whole passion of Jesus in his final days of ministry, I think you'll kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about there. Practically every biblical scholar that I have referenced this week as I have been preparing for today, practically every single one of them wholeheartedly agree that they say this is Jesus' inaugural address. His coming into the world as the incarnate Son of God is to show and to be the presence of God in the midst of all all of humanity's life experiences and circumstances. There's a very well-known pastor. Actually, he has a doctorate degree, so I suppose he should be referenced as Reverend Dr. Edward Marcourt. He's a retired, now retired Lutheran pastor uh, from Seattle, Washington. Anybody here familiar with Ed Marcourt? Okay, well, I lived in Seattle for a few years, so I, I know a little bit of him, but he's a, he's a He's a retired pastor, very well known. He was a, a pastor of a, a huge church there in Seattle. And he's written a, a numerous books. And one of the books that he's written is, is a book entitled Witnesses for Christ. And I want to share with you uh, a few things that he shares in that book. He says that God's story is always related to human need. He says, if a woman is dying of cancer, the gospel is God's strong word of resurrection. If a person is permeated with guilt, the gospel is God's assurance of forgiveness. If people experience extreme suffering, the gospel is the prayer from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. For the starving, the gospel perhaps is bread. I mean, for for starving, the gospel is, is bread. And for a homeless refugee, he says that the gospel is freedom in a new homeland. For others, the gospel may be freedom from political tyranny. But the point is, is that the gospel is always related to human need. He goes on, he says that it is never truth in a vacuum, a theologically true statement which may or may not be or relate to one's life. Rather, the gospel is God's truth, it's God's message, it's God's action, and it's God's word to a particular person. And not only to that person, but to that particular need or to a particular historical 
situation. And then he gives a very simple example. He says, you don't throw a drowning person a sandwich. What do you throw a drowning person? You throw them a life jacket, you throw them a buoy ring, you throw them a lifeline, or maybe you jump into the water and actually rescue them. And he says, so it is with the gospel. The gospel is aimed at a particular human need. I don't know how many of you saw it this week, but I I, I saw a wonderful news story this week about three different faith communities who came together and who have yet to finish their work because they are still coming together, these three different faith communities in New York City, and they're coming together for a common cause, to help the victims of that horrific apartment fire that many of us saw on the news here several weeks back, where multiple people lost their lives and where many, many people have lost everything. They have no place and they have no personal belongings. All they had left was basically the clothes on their back and the slippers or shoes on their feet. And right now, in New York City, the Muslim, Jewish, and Christian faith communities, all three of those different religious faith communities, they are coming together and they are still doing it. They're raising thousands and thousands of dollars to make it possible for these families to purchase new items for their new beginnings, wherever that might be. I think that's what Ed Marquardt is talking about when he says that the gospel is God's truth, it's God's action, it's God's word to a particular person or to a particular historical situation. One of the things that we will continually be reminded of in this Gospel of Luke, we are in year C. That means that we are in this lectionary series, predominantly in the Gospel of Luke. And believe it or not, we've got 42 more weeks of it. 42 more weeks of it. But one of the things that we're going to continually be hearing is this message that Jesus is touching, Jesus is relating to, and Jesus is reaching out to people in their greatest need. And I think we're going to get a real sense of that. You know, when you read the Gospel of Luke, one of the things they say about the Gospel of Luke is that it's written, Luke was known as a, to be a doctor. And so we kind of have this whole more of a pastoral perspective on Jesus. And we're going to hear all kinds of things about Jesus touching and relating to and reaching out to people, whether it be in the form of healing or whether it be a restoration of someone's spirit or simply providing enough food for someone to eat when we hear about Jesus feeding thousands. But Jesus' mission and purpose was to come and to be sent and to proclaim and to heal and to proclaim release. Jesus is the living word and he is the very presence of the divine in the world in which of humanity's situations, irregardless and regardless of whatever circumstance it is that we face. One of the most important phrases that I think sticks out in this passage today is when Jesus spoke these words. After he had spoke the words from the prophet Isaiah, he said to the people, he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. As Lutherans, one of our central tenets of a Lutheran faith is that we live by faith alone, through Christ alone, by by word alone. That is a central tenet of our Lutheran faith. It's all about word alone, Christ alone, faith alone. And this book that we call the Bible, it's more than just a text. It is the word and it is alive. That word is living. And I appreciate what David Lowe says about these words from Jesus today. I love his insight. He says, when Jesus speaks the word today, he says, it is not a static word. 
Rather, is a far more dynamic and active word, as in today is just the beginning. He says that the tense of Jesus' declaration that the scripture has been fulfilled, it isn't the once and one present tense or the singular past tense. Rather, it is the ongoing, even repetitive, and definitely reoccurring perfect tense. Now, I believe that. I believe David Loos because he is... A wonderful biblical scholar, and he understands this language, this Greek and Aramaic language, much better than I ever will. But for him to say that, I think that's a powerful thing. He says, in essence, Jesus is saying that today in the scripture is fulfilled, and that it continues to be fulfilled, and it will keep being fulfilled, and therefore we will keep needing to be fulfilled in your presence. In other words, our work, our work as the children of God is never done. As long as we have breath in our bodies, our work as children of God is never done. This same word, the same word that was spoken by Micah in chapter 6, where Micah says, The Lord has told you, O people, what is good and what it is that the Lord requires of you, that you only act justly, to love faithfully, and to walk humbly with your God. Those same words, along with the words that Jesus spoke, where he says, I have come to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom from bondage, and to release to the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These words are justice words. They are living words, God's living word through Christ, calling us and calling the world to social and economic justice. And it starts every day. And it starts over every single day. Every single day of our lives, the gospel story continues to speak about justice. And it will never, ever be done. I think it's quite appropriate that these texts are here this weekend as we reflect upon the life work of Dr. Martin Luther King, who we celebrated this past week. A man who understood, a man who understood that the word of God is a living word that needed to keep on being fulfilled. And it still needs to keep on being fulfilled in our presence even today. In other words, our work and the work and the word of God never ends. I like what Pastor Al said this past Thursday. For those of you who did not have the benefit of being here for his Bible study. He's talking about baptism. But, you know, Pastor Al, he oftentimes gives a lot of life story experiences. And I appreciate hearing um, many of those stories. And the way in which he actually just simply tells them and reflects, um, there's something about the way he speaks that, that really hits you and touches you. This past Thursday, he said that this word, this word speaks to me where life is. This word speaks to me where life is. And I think that's another way of saying that this is a living word and that it impacts my life every single day. And when I'm, when I'm fervently listening to it, when I'm fervently hearing it, it will affect my life every day and it will speak to me where life is. And one of the examples that he shared, most of you know that he played for the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he was a pretty, pretty good football player back in the day. 
He shared an experience of when they went down and traveled to Louisiana to play a football game against LSU back in 1961. You see, Pastor Al and his team, they were from the North Country. They were from Wisconsin and Minnesota, Michigan, up that way. First time in his life he ever experienced signs that said, whites only, blacks only. And when they got to the hotel, the hotel said that some of your team can't stay here. And so the team took a vote, and they went on to a different hotel where they could all stay together. And as Pastor Al reflected upon that experience, he said that the gospel has taught us to bring good news. And the gospel has also taught us that in God's sight, we are all the same. Because as Pastor Al reflected upon that gospel, he said that that word speaks to me where life is. And for him, where life was at that moment in time, said, this isn't right. This isn't right. Because in the sight of God, we are all the same. If we hear anything today in this passage, let it be that this word, that this living word, it is dynamic, that it is active, that it is ongoing, that it is repetitive, and that it is constantly recurring every day. When Jesus says, today the scripture is fulfilled, let us once again be reminded that it also means that it continues to be fulfilled and that it will continue being fulfilled and it will need to keep being fulfilled in our presence. In other words, our work as children of God is never done. As long as you live, as long as you live, the work and word is never done. I'm going to end today by quoting a pastor from Hinsdale, Illinois. Her name is Katie Hines Shea. And she writes, the living word is not just text, but must be embodied. That living word, that book right here, that's not just text. That word needs to be embodied in us. It takes on flesh, just like it took on flesh in Jesus, it takes on flesh in us. It needs to be embodied. Meeting God's people today in their deepest need. She says, Our lives and our hands are to be at work for our neighbor if we would have the word take flesh in us. Our lives and our hands are to be at work for our neighbor if we would have that word take flesh in us.
Amen. Join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Go in peace. Share the good news.